You're tuning into World Lab. We traveled through the world to bring to you an industry expert that will spark the next big idea in the hospitality industry. My name is Stephanie Chung, Director of Strategy and Insights and Marketing Challenges International. Garance Choco is the CEO of Coda Societies, a firm that shapes social and economic infrastructures to promote equity worldwide and drives the design and development of citizen-centered services. From building hospitals to developing public spaces to producing consumer goods and shaping policies, Coda Societies engages partners and social groups in the design and implementation of value-based and resilient solutions. Garance has launched social innovation firms, designed and implemented physical spaces, national and local healthcare systems, public administration processes, think tanks, regional economic agendas, and labor policies for institutions, corporations, and governments in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Her clients include the Center for Progressive Policy, CPP, Rapid Results, the National Ministry of Planning of the Democratic Republic of Congo, Nesta and National Health System of the United Kingdom, and more. She is a proud board member at Sing for Hope and at Association of Corporate Treasurers. Garance has trained as a concert pianist in her formative years and continued her performance studies in the U.S. while pursuing her passion for public administration, innovation, and social impact. She has a master's of public administration from Cornell University and currently resides in New York City and is devoted to social equity. Welcome to World Lab, Garance. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, amongst all of the work that you do, I hope you still find time to play piano these days. <laughs> yes, I do. I do practice. I try to practice minimum an hour a day. And I am now working on an etude transcendental from Lis, as well as, as a Chopin etude. <laughs> Well, no small feet all around. Um, super excited to dive into a conversation today that is also a personal passion of mine and really looking at what is the special role of the hospitality industry as it relates to designing inclusive spaces and what it means to have a citizen-centered approach. Seems like the hot topic word these days. So I know you're the expert on discussing these, but I also want to frame the conversation at large for our listeners. Throughout the pandemic, hotels and venues basically stepped in to offer their support by offering their unused spaces as homeless shelters or vaccination centers. As we're coming out of the pandemic, there are a lot of conversations around how do we reposition the role of hotels, venues, destinations, and how do we think more inclusively and sustainably for our future? From all the work that you've done, why don't we start with talking big picture? What does it even mean to design for an inclusive future? And maybe we start by talking about other industries as an example, and then we can dive deeper into tourism and talk about maybe even tourism stakeholders' duties in that space. Yes. Okay. Well, we're starting with a big overarching question. Thanks, Stephanie. <laughs> uh, I will start with saying that, you know, Code has been focusing on designing large-scale infrastructure 
for equity, the basis of that is ensuring that all of the structure that we are designing, that being economic development initiative, that being physical space, you know, are citizen-centered, meaning that they put the citizen at the center, that they put the need of the citizen and all of the community at the center. I think that using the word citizen is a bit complex at the moment because geographic and political boundaries are becoming more blurred. And so I think that like, we rather use the terminology as being people-centered as opposed to citizen-centered. And that's specifically important in the sector of tourism because usually you are welcoming visitors from all over the world and they're not necessarily citizen of the country where the hotel is, or the convention center for that matter, is established. In terms, to answer like, like your last question around inclusivity, I think it means many different things to many different people and that's okay. What we promote at Coda Societies is not to give a definition of what a terminology should be, but more so invite our client and our partner in defining what these terms mean for them and in, the, in that specific moment. So in terms of inclusivity, I think that we can talk about, of course, and link it to equity, ensuring that everyone in a specific geographic location regardless of your gender, your economic strata, your age, right, or your identity, has access and is welcome and feels safe and find value in the space, right? That being a hotel, that being a convention center, and that being a mall. So what's very interesting to us is that we've been talking, you know, about placemaking and ensuring that these are very much inscribed in a greater social and economic context. Social and economic context, I'm repeating myself because I have a very strong French accent. <laughs> and that usually the places, the malls or the hotels that, I, that perform best are the ones that are very much the aorta of the space. That, make, that are developing this complementary and symbiotic relationship with not only the private sector and the stores, but also with the city as a whole, right? And also more specifically with people, with the communities. And so during the pandemic, fast forward, right? All of a sudden that is becoming the priority, right? So I remember actually fun anecdote some months before the pandemic, we were very graciously invited when we were in Dubai by the Middle East Council of Shopping Center and Retailers to talk about, you know, and being a guest on their podcast around the topic exactly of citizen-centered malls or virtuous consumption. How can we ensure that the mall, the shopping mall, become an aorta of the city, that it yield positive economic development benefit for the communities, that the mall itself and its infrastructure, you know, is green or is environmentally safe and friendly. And so fast forward now, you know, still in the midst of the pandemic, these topics are prevalent and dominating the conversation. A point that I want to make that is fascinating to me, convention center, hotels, and again, shopping malls, have been, you know, usually seen as 
motors of economic development. So they come, they establish themselves and then they generate an economy. In some ways, they impose through marketing or through like the way in which they create their stores and the activity in the space, they create the economic activities and behaviors of the population, right? Now, with the pandemic, we see that it's the other way around. They have to respond, right, to the economic reality of the space or the place of the city in which they are located. And that is actually a beautiful opportunity for, you know, rethinking the role of your space and rethinking its relationship to the greater community. A lot for us to think about and really good reminder of repositioning citizen-centered to people-centered. And and we really see this being implemented from a design perspective as well. Even when you build out a new space, when you're building out a new hotel lobby, when you're building out your convention center, you're being thoughtful around what is the user experience from the moment they step into my venue to the moment they're stepping back out again. And the way I'm thinking about what you're describing is now let's not only think about the moment the person shows up at the door of your hotel, but let's think about how did they get there? And before they got there, what is the environment that they're in? And after they leave, what kind of impact or greater impact are we making not only on that person, but the, the ecosystem in which they thrive in and how are we not giving back per se. I think it's even bigger than giving exactly. back. Exactly. Thank you for that. It's way more than giving back. And I think that it's really thinking about like, how is your space a catalyst, right? For positive outcome for the entire ecosystem. Oh, maybe an example of that is a, I know there is a convention center that actually opens up part of the congresses that they host to public talks. Mm-hmm. And that could be a good example of giving back. It's true. But then again, I think that like, it's not about necessarily about giving back. It's right. about just getting, because as you say, you know, and just being part of an ecosystem, when you think about a hotel, right, it's a social space. Mm. A hotel depends on people. Right. So the hotel need to be relevant to the need of people, right? And hotel is in a specific geographic location. Right, within a city. Mm-hmm. Within a city, same with a convention center, same with a shopping, a shopping mall, right? Because of that, I think that, you know, from a business modeling and a financial modeling, there is way more to be gained. There is extreme financial value, but also just, you know, ethical value and just innovative value to think about how you can be at a service to the ecosystem. So for example, we've seen during COVID in the case of the hotels here in New York, that these places needed, you know, in order to survive financially to become housing for essential workers who couldn't go home, for the homeless who couldn't just be in the streets during a massive pandemic, right? 
We, we saw the Javits Center, which is a huge convention center, becoming this space, this civic center, where everyone was going to get their vaccination, right? Because of this civic mind initiative, it's not, they didn't give back. They just ensure these spaces, these businesses ensure their own survival, mm. right? So now lo- let's look at- That's an important uh, highlight, a distinction exactly. between giving back versus like what it looks like to survive in the modern day age. Exactly. And also generating value for all. The best business model, the way in which you can- you know, like bring about more capital is to ensure that you are always relevant and always responsive and providing a very good experience, mm. right? As opposed to just have a single usage. Would another example of that be a movement to with hotels using local vendors and right. selling products from making sure their stores are stocked with people within the immediate area versus using a I don't, global brand? I think that's a very good example, but it goes back to one very important part of the design process is what are your core values, mm. right? So it's true that I will personally always advocate, you know, for ensuring that the local economy is being sustained mm. and that individual in your vicinity, that your community not necessarily only your client, but your community, right, is safe and is benefiting and is prospering. So yes, in that case, I will advocate for local vendors as opposed to, you know, big manufactured, like global brand. The thing is that also it goes beyond the ethical aspect of it. It goes also with a trend, right? I think that consumers are way more inclined to follow brand or follow spaces that are about, that have values that are akin to theirs. So first step is for a hotel or for a convention center or for a large scale shopping mall to think about what their values are, right? And actually when we were speaking with the Middle East Council um, of shopping centers and retailers, um, we, 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 we shared one of our framework, right? In order to like design spaces that are responsive. And so then again, it's a design, pro, it's a design protocol. It's like first identifying your core value. Second, identify needs. And these needs are your investors need, your staff needs, the management needs, your client needs, your community needs, but also the city's needs, right? And then look at your assets. So as hotel, you know, and convention center and others gathering places, they have this specificity that is very unique is that they're a public private space, right? And so people associate them with safety, with comfort, with going into a place where they're going to have their need met, right? So you go to a mall to get a product, you go to a hotel to find shelter, to have an experience, right? And you go to like a convention center to learn or to showcase your, you know, your product, right? Also like 
usually these spaces that have a lot of traffic are very well located. So that's an asset, right? You have a lot of different transportation systems that are linked to you and others, right? I know that in Dubai, you have beautiful green malls. You also have as an asset modularity. And then you look at what is practical for you to do at the space, right? Are you modular? Is it pretty practical for you from one day to the next at a convention center to become a school or a vaccination center? Is it practical for a hotel to become business offices, right? And then when you look at these needs, the asset that you have and the practicality of it, usually using this formula, you can come up with a very specific, very value aligned, very robust business model, right? And impact plan. So that's, this is usually the type of framework that we walk our clients through when they are thinking about how to evolve you know, the usage the, and their brand and their spaces beyond having to um, respond to a pandemic or to a crisis. And also, let's not kid ourselves, right? The pandemic, we're still in the midst of it. I know that there are a lot of different global health, you know, public health strategy that are being established, but it's gonna, we're not out of it. So the world is, and the world is never going back to normal, right? Behaviors have changed, have changed values have changed. And so what we really recommend at Coda and me personally, is like, instead of having to react to crises, how can you shape, you know, structure that are fluid and nimble enough to anticipate you know, to new trends and to new needs. We actually wrote an article on that. A big part of our thought leadership, you know, is based on rethinking different framework for infrastructure development. And so we wrote an article suggesting that fluidity should be the main concept to help guide the design of infrastructures moving forward. And you can find that in the Urban Design Forum magazine. And I'll make sure to link that with all of our listeners as well. I appreciated that you shared a framework that made all these big, lofty, sometimes feeling like they're intangible ideas into something that is aligned with both financial as well as um, just larger economic benefits. But you know, again, the framework of looking at your core values, identifying those needs, evaluating your current assets and thinking about practicality can help everyone kind of reframe how they're looking at their specific venue or destination. For venues and destinations listening, um, Garance, what would what advice would you give them? Because I think everyone is in a different place in what change they're able to make immediately within their venue or immediately within their destination. Of course, with destination, there's a little bit more complication over what you have control over from a space perspective. Since we're all in different places of the design process and the decision-making process, what are some ways that, you know, immediately tomorrow we can start big conversations with our team around what people-centered design means. 
Yes, that's a very good question. And I appreciate the fact that it's true, even though we, we evolve in a global, seemingly global world, we all have very specific local priorities, local need and, uh, and local preferences. I think that first of all, it's, it's interesting because for um, places that are usual like tourist destination, like the global South, the Caribbean, you know, are different places. Uh, in Central America, and even in the Middle East, so, you know, and in Asia, the fact that, like, often their economy is based on that, on tourism, you know, and I don't want to generalize, but so it's a very fascinating conversation at the macro level to rethink about what can your economy look like or be like when tourism is not an option anymore. Right. So that's a very macro question, and that at, a at the national level and at the city level. So I would really encourage, even though I'm sure that, that is already the norm for um, these convention centers or this touristic infrastructure to have conversation with their local government. That's the first thing. And also with our investors. Second, I will, and again, direct them toward our framework, right? Look at the like first of all, look at who your stakeholders are. I think that we talk a lot about like international tourism, right? But your local residents are also can become local tourists and benefit from these places to rediscover their city or their environment in a new way. For example, myself in New York during the pandemic, I actually went for the first time to the Statue of Liberty, right? So I think that there is an opportunity. I also went to something super touristy. I went to the edge during the pandemic. So I echo the same thing. So yes, I think that like beyond, you know, like this very macroeconomic rethinking your economy type of conversation that sounds very massive, right? But it's a very important conversation to be had because believe it or not, manufacturing processes, you know, are having this conversation as well. What happened when we can't export, right? So I think that, you know, the local versus the global or how to integrate the two together is very relevant. Now, yes, being a tourist in your own space, allowing local communities to rediscover, to really, you know, reappropriate or appropriate the beauty of their local environment is wonderful, right? And it's, can yield incredible opportunities. And then I will encourage them to think about our framework, right, around needs. What is your citizen, your population needs? Do they need in terms of education, in terms of health, in terms of information, in terms of entertainment, right? What are these needs? What are your investors need? What is your staff need? And then from there, think about what the asset that you have, right? that you can readily start leveraging, like right now, you know, at the lowest cost, maybe like what are the lowest hanging fruit, right? Can you turn your beautiful resort into a center for seniors, right? For example, if need be, or into like a lab, a scientific lab for students to go and do marine biology, right? Or for local farmers or local restaurant to have a space where they can, you know, source, local food, right? Or have a kitchen, right? To cook, I don't know. There, the options are endless and that's the beauty of it. And then you think about what's practical to, be, to, to do, what makes sense, right? 
And also you can just challenge yourself and that, you know, that little carrot of like, how can you be most innovative and how can you become a pioneer in the world, you know, in that type of innovative thinking? How did you repurpose your space, right? In the most compelling manner. And like that, you can become a beautiful case studies that the West maybe like New York or Paris can actually inspire themselves from. Thank you so much. And I'm, I'm already feeling inspired from this conversation. So we both challenge you to thinking about how you can be a pioneer in your respective spaces and region. And Garance, I want to thank you again for joining us at World. I'd love to hear from all of you what ideas this episode sparked for you. Please stay connected with us by subscribing to anywhere you're listening to us on or visit us at www.mcintl.com. Have a great rest of your day.